Welcome to Heads Up Missouri. Uh, this week we're going to be talking about tort reform primarily, so let's just dive in. Well, we want to talk about, we just uh, adjourned the Senate a little bit ago, and we uh, perfected, it's, it's just a form of passing the bill, uh, the right to work for less bill. So the fact that we're talking about tort reform today, we're putting into place or talking, uh, making a priority in the legislative session so right. many things that will impact our working families and our middle class in the state of Missouri. And uh, it starts with these anti-labor laws and it goes into uh, not being able to get your fair day in court. So So we have with us a very special guest. Uh, Thank you, Sharon Jones, for coming in. Sharon is an attorney and is with the Missouri Association for Trial Attorneys, also known as MATA. Um, And she'll be here talking to us about tort reform. Great, thanks for having me. Thanks for being here. The first question I have is, what is tort reform? (laughs) So (laughs) I actually just uh, had a conversation with one of our lobbyists about the number of new people in the building and how a lot of them don't even know what a tort is, much less what tort reform is. So a tort is a harm that was done to you by somebody else. So an auto accident is a tort, a uh, medical malpractice is a tort, battery is technically a tort. So when you have a tort done to you, you can sue to get a recovery. Tort reform is generally what it means is the business community is coming in and trying to prevent those lawsuits from being able to go forward. And if they do go forward, trying to limit the amount of recovery that a person can get under those under those laws. Um, so what is tort Uh, legislation or statute look like now in the state of Missouri? Sure. So um, I think the easiest thing for everyone to understand is how an auto accident works, because I think most of Mm -hmm. us have been in a fender bender. Yes. So um, right now in Missouri, if you have been in a car accident, you get an attorney, you file suit against the person, you have to show that the person caused your harm, that the person had some sort of duty not to cause your cause you harm, that um, that the person did something or did not do something that they should have done, so they have somehow breached that duty, and um, that your damages are actually real. So you can't just say, "Well, I felt my feelings were hurt." Mm-hmm. You have to prove that you actually have some sort of real quantifiable damage to go forward with the lawsuit. And uh, on the auto accidents, there aren't any particular limits on uh, damages Um, right now under the law. We actually just had a case come down about some non-economic damages that they passed a few years ago, and we think those are now unconstitutional. So that happened last week, maybe. Um, But there aren't any limits on the damages. But when you're putting forward that evidence, you have to actually, I like to tell my non-attorney friends, it's not about the truth, it's about what you can prove. Mm-hmm. Right. So you have to actually show, no, here, I have data from the traffic camera that shows he ran a red light, or um, you know, the cop on the scene wrote down that he was acting as if he was under the influence, or something like that. You have to have real evidence, it's not just he said, she said. Mm-hmm. So, and that kind of goes to my question, which yeah. we hear so often about fr- frivolous lawsuits, frivolous yeah. lawsuits, 
And as an attorney, if someone comes to you, mm -hmm. you know, what sort of questions do you ask? There has to be some, a, a pretty high standard for you to be willing to take on the costs associated with representing someone, right? Oh, definitely. And, you know, if you're an attorney who who specializes in this type of law, you get paid based on what you're able to recover. So if you do an economic analysis of it and say, look, after we pay for our expert witnesses and after we pay the court costs and after you pay my fees, you're going to get a check for $100, they're not likely to take that case. Mm -hmm. So you have to be hurt fairly badly in order to get an attorney to really take your case on as a private attorney and move forward with it all the way through trial. Um, and, you know, they also do a lot of investigation beforehand. They're going to want to see all the evidence that they want to put into court before they actually sign a contract with you to go forward with the case. So there's no incentive for an attorney to take what some characterize as a frivolous lawsuit, which we do hear about all the time, mm -hmm. no. but there's no real incentive to take to move those forward. Not for the attorney to do it. And a lot of times if you hear about a crazy lawsuit, the person is representing themselves. Hmm. which you are allowed to do. Anyone, you don't have to be an attorney. Anyone can walk into a courthouse and with $200, they can file a lawsuit that says whatever they want it to say. So, you know, that's one of the great freedoms that we have in this country is the freedom to do things that other people think are foolish. <laughs> right. So I want to go back to a few minutes ago, you said the Supreme Court just struck down, what did you say? The uh, some people called it the no pay, no play law. Okay. They passed it in 2013. Okay. I th and what exactly did that do? So what that did is that said if you are, if you do not have insurance and mm -hmm. you've been hit by a driver who does have insurance, mm -hmm. your damages were limited as an uninsured driver. Right. Yeah. And it sounds great until you realize that we're talking about people who have been catastrophically injured usually because if you get to a point where someone's saying here's how much your non-economic damages are you've had to go all the way through a trial to the end of the trial mm -hmm. so these are people who usually paraplegic quadriplegic or right. otherwise disabled and you're telling them just because your insurance lapsed a lot of times in fact the case that got it struck down, I believe there was a divorce going on, and he decided he was going to stop paying and never told her. So just because your insurance lapsed, now you have a limit on your damages for the harm somebody else caused you. Right. Right. No, if it wasn't for the other person, you would yeah. not even be in this yeah. position. Yeah. Of caused mm -hmm. you. Yeah. Would you, uh, before you go on to some of the specifics of the law, would you just talk about the different kinds of damages? Because I think that's important for people to understand yeah. and which limitations that try to get put on apply to which kinds of damages? So there are really three kinds of damages. There are economic damages, non-economic damages, and punitive damages. And some people think punitive damages are non-economic damages, but they're not. They're separate. Economic damages are pretty self-explanatory. They're anything you can produce a bill for. Non-economic damages are the loss of quality of life damages. So the fact that you aren't able to bear children anymore is a very common claim. And that's not something you can put a bill on, but I think everyone would agree that it's something with a lot of value to it. Right. Mm -hmm. And then punitive damages are awarded when someone has willfully and wantonly disregarded the safety of others. So that is a very high bar, and in Missouri, um, over the past few years, I think we've had maybe two punitive damages awards. 
Um, so they're very rare. It, the conduct the has state? to be. Yeah. Oh, wow. Wow. Yeah. Okay. People think it's really common because, mm-hmm. you know, everyone's like, oh, punitive mm-hmm. damages. Mm-hmm. But it's not. Okay. Because the conduct has to be outrageous. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Does it ha- does it so it has to be intentional? You're saying yeah. willfully and wanting. Yeah. So for example, the Regina Turner case where a woman in St. Louis <clears throat> had the wrong side of her brain operated on. Yes. She was not eligible for punitive damages. Is that what you're telling me? Yes. Okay. Yeah, because unless, and I know the attorney in that case, and I don't think this happened, but the only way she would have been eligible for punitive damages is if she could have shown that the doctor knew it was Mm -hmm. the wrong side of the brain. And went ahead anyway. Or (laughs) refused to check the chart, and the nurse said, please, you need to check the chart, and he said, no, I'm not going to do that. It would have to be something like that. It couldn't just Mm -hmm. be... He wasn't paying attention. That's not good enough. Okay, got it. So that is a very high bar Mm -hmm. to reach. Yeah, Mm -hmm. yeah. Wow. And only two cases in the last year, is that what you said? Or? Yeah, yeah. Wow, okay. Oh, wow. And we actually, um, the other thing people don't really know is that half of punitive damage awards go to a state fund to pay uh, for tort damages when a company's gone bankrupt. Mm. So like asbestos? Yeah, yeah, asbestos or if you get hit by an uninsured driver mm-hmm. is another one where a lot of times people make claims. Now, the fund, because punitive damages are rare, has very little money in it, but every time there's a big award that you hear about or a big judgment that you hear about with punitive damages, half of that money is going into this fund wow. to pay for other people's damages. I didn't realize it. Yeah, yeah. me neither. Hmm. So I have a question about, um, there's a Senate Bill 45, and mm-hmm. I don't really know the technicalities of it, but a promo came out to testify against it, and from what I understand, it would basically usurp local control of municipalities trying to create protection or ordinances or um, uh, protected clauses. And I'm curious, like, how does that play into this idea of reforming uh, the tort legislation? So, again, when people say tort reform, what they're talking about is stopping the lawsuits. Mm -hmm. And what Senate Bill 45 does is it says if you are employed by someone and they hand you an arbitration agreement and you show up to work the next day, you are under that arbitration agreement. You lose all of your rights to go to court. You lose all of your rights under the Missouri Human Rights Act. You lose all of your rights under any sort of local ordinance that might be in place uh, to protect you. And And what happens is you now go into a secret court called an arbitration court with an arbitrator who is a private attorney paid for by the parties. And you are stuck in that system until the end, until they decide to release you. And it doesn't let you go to a court to say, I think this is invalid. It makes the arbitrator decide that. And it even has a provision in it that the way I read it says, the parties have to agree on the first arbitrator, Mm -hmm. but when you get to the point where they're actually deciding the dispute, the the, uh, employer can just pick the arbitrator. Mm. And they did that, there's a KC Chiefs case where they picked, I don't know the sports, but Goodell, who's the head of the NFL, to be the, the commissioner of the commissioner NFL. Commissioner of the NFL. <laughs> like, he's really non-biased. Yeah, exactly, exactly. So, I mean, there are some... And the problem is all of these abuses will be going on in a secret system that no one can see because none of those records are public. Mm-hmm. And so I actually talked with um, Steph and Elizabeth over at Promo 
because they were concerned about it. And they said, you know, we've made all these great strides with these local ordinances and with Monsanto having a private contract that says we're not going to do it and stuff. And I said, yeah, and this will go around all of that and say, if you do it, it's now a secret and no one gets to know about it. Wow. Wow. Um, go ahead. Oh, no, I just have a question about the arbitration courts or arbit- uh, that system. How expensive is it for a victim then? It's 300 well, one example is $350 an hour for the arbitrator. And how does that compare to the current system that we have? Well, in the current system we have now, you don't pay for your judge. The judge gets a salary out of the county. So it's $0 for the judge's time. Now, some of the other costs will be the same because mm-hmm. you'll still have to pay for depositions and transcripts and those sorts of things. But one of my members who came down to testify, he said, you know, I've, I'm in an arbitration right now. It's $350 an hour just to have the arbitrator sit and listen to us. We have already racked up $16,000 in arbitration fees, and that's before we put on a single bit of evidence. Wow. So it can get really expensive. and Well, and so the difference, so if it's a corporation, if a person was injured on the job and it's a corporation against this person who's injured, that $16,000 in arbitration fees, even if that's the whole amount, half of it is now paid for by the employee and the other half is paid for by the corporation. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So we've really put the little guy, the guy who's yeah. trying to have his day in court or in this case before an arbitrator, uh, we've really put him at a financial disadvantage. Yeah, and and that's assuming <coughs> that they understand their rights enough to go and get an attorney who will explain all of this to them. A lot of times under an arbitration agreement, it doesn't get there because there are all these hurdles you have to reach beforehand where, no, you have to report to HR and you have to try to do you know, counseling and you have to do mediation and or not mediation, the conflict resolution mm-hmm. and all this stuff. And then if you go through all of those things and you still have a problem, then we'll let you do arbitration. So it seems to me then the little guy is going gonna, is gonna to settle and That's probably right. settle for less than he or she might have gotten otherwise because or, they can't afford to continue down this, down this mm-hmm. process. Or put up with the abuse. Put up with the workplace abuse and mm-hmm. say, my job is too important to me. I don't have the time or the money to go through this process. I'll just deal with it. Hmm. So this is going to be a very big, like, global down to Missouri question. So currently in Russia, um, in the lower house of parliament, they have passed through legislation that would reduce any sort of, um, like, protections for victims of domestic violence. And we're seeing that there. We're going to see it here. Are we going to, how is that going to impact in Missouri? Like, with this tort reform, how is it going to impact victims of domestic violence in Missouri? You know... with domestic violence, a lot of times those are criminal cases, mm-hmm. but I know Senator Shoup and uh, Senator Walsh and Senator Nasheed have all variously filed bills that deal with allowing someone who is involved in a domestic violence dispute to take time off of work and not lose their job so that they can go and deal with that. The types of things that we're talking about say, uh, you know, if you're an employee, your employer can do whatever they want to you. And good luck telling them, no, you can't do that, it's illegal. And so I think while there's not a direct correlation, a lot of what we're seeing is if you are a company or an employer, you should do what's best for you. 
even if it's not okay for the people who work for you. And given that most of us are not CEOs, <laughs> you know, I right. think like that affects a lot of people. And, you know, I know they just did right to work today. And the reason that the labor union got, the labor movement got started was because mm-hmm. so many people were being mistreated by their employers. Mm-hmm. And, you know, if you've ever read The Jungle, it's horrific. Yes. Upton mm-hmm. Sinclair, I was just yes, looking that up yes. the other day. And yeah. so, you know, I think that while no one's going to go directly to, you know, we want to be able to make people work 80 hours a week for a dollar, there is a lot of the stuff that they are calling tort reform that is aimed at maximizing profits and minimizing benefits for employees. Mm -hmm. And that cuts straight to the heart of middle-class America because that's not, the guys who work at McDonald's, they don't get benefits. Mm -hmm. You know, it's the people who have a salary and who are working to make ends meet for their family on, you know, $40,000 a year, which is not a bad payday at all. (coughs) Those people are the ones who are getting hurt by the tort reform because they're the people who have something left to lose. Mm Can you talk to us about some of the specific pieces of legislation or the ideas behind them, like what collateral source means, what um, some of the other, the Merchandising and Manufacturing Merchandise Practices Practices Act. Yeah, Um, so the big three that we know of for sure are Expert Witness, Collateral Source, and the Merchandising Practices Act. Expert Witness is a way to make bringing a lawsuit prohibitively expensive. To have an expert witness qualify under current Missouri law, all you have to do is show that they are an expert in their field. So you have to show that they have some sort of experience, training, education, something that makes them an expert in their field. If you can show that they are qualified, they can testify. The new standard flips that around and says, your expert has to tell the judge what they're going to say. And the judge has to decide whether or not that testimony meets some amorphous scientific, in air quotes, uh, criteria. So, you know, and that's up to the judge to look at it and try to decide, okay, is this actually scientific or is this just quackery or whatever? And then they can decide whether or not the person can testify, but only to what they've approved. So it's, do you want a qualified person or do you want a judge digging into everyone's testimony and deciding what's qualified testimony? And we've worked really well for, you know, since the 60s on this idea that if the person is qualified in the subject matter, they should be able to say what they think is true because they're an expert and that's what an expert is. Isn't there a cost component to that, too? So I I sort of want to talk about that because one of these things that I think a lot of people don't know is what happens is, once again, in many of these proposed changes, the guy with the money has the significant advantage under these tort Mm -hmm. reform um, changes. And I want to sort of spell out how that happens and that somebody can challenge, uh, the other side can challenge whether your witness truly... Uh, meets the standards of being an expert witness. Yeah. So now all of this takes place in court during the course of the trial. There's no special hearing necessarily. There's no special um, reports or depositions or anything. It all takes place in real time. So the jury is essentially deciding currently, 
is this, do I believe this expert? Do I believe right. this expert right. ha- is qualified? Right. And then I believe his or her testimony. That's right. Okay. Under the new standard, before the jury gets even called, you're going to have to do all of this uh, qualification beforehand. So that means bringing in an expert who they are very expensive generally because they're top of their field mm-hmm. in whatever they're doing. So they come in, they're usually professors or a research scientists of some sort. They have to do a hearing, they have to do a separate deposition, they have to do um, usually a separate report, although that's not always required, but a lot of the time it's required. And then they have to come in for the actual trial. So you're tripling or even quadrupling the cost of having that same expert testify under the old standard or under the new standard versus the old standard. And it and it's a way of saying to people, look, you have to decide how important is is your safety, your health, your injury to you. Is it important enough that you're going to spend all this money and maybe end up with a very small recovery in the end just to get the uh, the company or the person who harmed you to take responsibility. And a lot of times people are going to say, no, that's not, it's not worth it. It's not worth me risking the fact that I'm going to end up with nothing at the end of this to do it. Um, so, yeah. So, and this, we've heard this in uh, uh, Governor Greitens' state of the state speech. Yes. That he talks about moving to the Daubert standard. And yes. so when people hear the Daubert standard, that's what, that's what we're talking about, about moving right. to. So that's all right. all right. So collateral source is very easy to explain, but it's very complicated when you're in the courtroom. The easy explanation is that it gives the defendant the benefit of your health insurance. So as a what it actually does is it says, I pay for my health insurance and I get a discount on my medical bills because I have it. In a lawsuit, if, uh, if this bill goes through, the defendant would then get the benefit of that discount on whatever damages they've caused me. So some people say that sounds fair, you're making people whole, no big deal. The big deal is that I worked hard for that. I paid premiums, I turned down jobs, my employer paid premiums, all, you know, none of this is free. No one says, here's your free health insurance person who's you know, working um, at your job. So it it's really saying that a, a person's health insurance benefit is not their own and that the state of Missouri can just hand that out to whomever they like. And in this case, again, it's middle-class America who's worked hard for the things that they have that's being taken away and a benefit is being given to a company that has harmed them. So you've expended those dollars yourself Mm -hmm. to get that discount, and now the person who caused you an injury through no fault of yours is getting the benefit of all the payments you've made to get that discount. Yeah. It's like if I bought a group (coughs) and my sister stole it. Hmm. Yeah. (laughs) You're right, though. I mean, I... Which sister? uh, No. Yeah. (laughs) On on the surface, I'm so glad you explained that, because I would have thought I would have been for that. Because it's like, oh, well, you're just sort of reimbursing for the cost. I never thought about all the -the behind-the-scenes stuff that happens with your premium. It's like part of your employee benefit package. So you're paying into that, and also your employer's paying into that, too. It's a perk. It is. That's exactly right. Mm -hmm. So if you didn't have that insurance, if if you said to the company, in lieu of my insurance... Mm -hmm. I want to get a bigger salary. Yeah, right? yeah, so, yeah, yeah, exactly. Right. right. Yeah. 
Excellent. That's that was now helpful. somebody Thank else you. gets the advantage of that. All right, good. Yeah. Thank and you. Then, oh, the Merchandising Practices Act is the other big one. And um, that is a fraud statute that is designed to protect consumers in the state of Missouri. And what they want to do is make it so that you cannot bring a class action under the Merchandising Practices Act. And that is basically telling companies, if you rip off a lot of people for a little bit amount of money, you can get away with it. Because no one's going to bring an individual lawsuit for a $2 invisible tax that some company has decided they're going to put on there, even mm -hmm. though they're not authorized to. Um, but someone will bring a lawsuit if they find out here are a hundred people or a thousand people who have been ripped off for the same two dollars over and over and over over the course of years and they're going to hold that company accountable and really what we do is what Mata does is hold people accountable and say look the people of Missouri work hard they work hard for their families and they work hard for the things that they have you cannot rip them off and harm them without being held accountable. Yeah. Well, it seems pretty simple. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> if only so we could bring you onto the floor with us to talk I about. I know. I know. Right. Right. I'm, to remind us. Well, I so. guess one of the one of the things with the Merchandising Practices Act is, you know, it's easy to until you're actually the victim of some kind of ripoff, you don't necessarily appreciate how important these laws are. You yeah. know, and. I think we all sort of live in this bubble and think we're like, you know, that life's, we're just going to go skipping along through life merrily and nothing is going to happen. But the reality is, is, you know, there might be a day where, like, you know, it's important to be able to recover your your losses. So, I, we right, have so to look it's at, easy to disparage yeah. um, the character of attorneys until you need one. Right, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Just like it is with politicians or people who work mm -hmm. in government. Mm -hmm. Until you need them to help you through mm -hmm. something. Um, you know, it's easy to discount what they do, and yet the laws that we have in place around those policies are so critical to making sure, and at the end of the day, I think, you know, we've all stood up for mm -hmm. the middle class, for working families, for people who need to earn a good living and have their day in court. And yeah. mm -hmm. those are the two areas under attack at the beginning of this legislative session. Yeah, absolutely. And they seem to be on the tr fast track, and, you know, I... Um, I'm concerned that a lot of the agenda that's happening in this building is because of who has kind of greased the skids with, with money and mm -hmm. that kind of thing. I'm very, very suspicious of those that are really pushing for these reforms that seem like they're just going to hurt normal families. So. It's just very frustrating from a very outsider's point of view that those are the two big pieces of legislation mm -hmm. or like themes. and. No one's asking for that. I could never imagine <clears throat> someone being like, yeah, I really want to see unions lose their ability to collective bargain because that sounds great. Yeah. Um, or even thinking, like in hypotheticals, like a lot of people have friends who've been in accidents and they see like what can come of that. And like, I would like to see that become much more difficult. Mm -hmm. And so it's like, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I, I'm just picturing a politician with a straight face saying like, I knock the doors and yeah. man, collateral source comes up time and time again. Yeah. Right. And that, <laughs> meanwhile, like, have we talked about how we're going to fully fund schools no. that we have underfunded for years and years and years? Or crumbling infrastructure. Crumbling roads and infrastructure. Or even like smaller things like let's get daycare subsidies. Right. right. Like, that's not hard. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And it's very hurtful that they think this is what Missourians want.
or need or need yeah right it's really it's big government interfering with a person's ability to get mm -hmm. picking winners and losers <laughs> oh, definitely picking winners and losers yeah, yeah. right um, yeah it's just and it's also so weedy and so technical that it's taking me like 10 different conversations to get to this point of feeling comfortable with what you're even saying yeah and I'm it is very frustrating that the people who've been elected just want to push this through as if because constituents won't understand it and won't realize how it impacts them on the back end until mm -hmm. they're, until it, it, they're injured and are trying to right, right. the wrongs. Mm -hmm. yeah. Right. Well, Sharon, this has been very informative and helpful to us, yeah. and I'm sure to both of our listeners. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you so much for having me. I, I legitimately was very excited about this, and I'm just so thrilled that you guys are doing it, and I'm thrilled to be here, of course. Um, You're a rock star. Any, are there any resources that uh, people can access or that will help them understand this a little bit more going forward? Yeah, uh, you sh should definitely follow the Missouri Association of Trial Attorneys on Facebook. Um, we are posting stories about people who have used the civil justice system to find recovery for for their uh, injuries and hold people accountable. So, and we're really trying to like jump into the 21st century finally and start using that more and not just post words but videos. So mm -hmm. look for that in the next year. Fantastic. Great. Thanks. Thank Thanks you. so Thank much. You. Thank you guys. Appreciate it. Yeah. Thank you for listening to Heads Up Missouri, and we'll be back next week.